We've been saying it for years now. We need to plant a garden. Hey, you want to plant a garden? Yeah, let's plant a garden. And every year we never planted a garden. But this year, we planted a garden. Well, I should say the lovely Andrea planted a garden. I wrestled a picnic table apart to use the boards to build a frame for the raised garden. Now that was a sight. The neighbors probably thought I'd lost my mind trying to rip apart a picnic table. I'm pretty sure they had their fingers on the emergency call button when I brought the saws all out to finish it all off. But it is finished, and the garden is above the ground. The lovely planted radish seeds. Lettuce seeds, cucumber seeds for crisp, cool cucumbers, my favorite. There's even a little seed section for herb seeds. And every few days we head out to the backyard to see how does our garden grow. And a few days ago we saw the first radishes begin to yawn and stretch from below the soil. The garden really is growing. That's so are a few weeds, but that's a whole other tale for another time. If the deer and groundhogs and rabbits and caterpillars, they don't sabotage our little raised garden, pretty soon we'll be able to slip outside in our slippers and pluck fresh vegetables and herbs from our garden. That's why I built the raised garden. That's why she planted the garden. So we could enjoy what we planted. Now, unfortunately, some gardeners give their gardens a green thumbs down because what goes into the soil doesn't always come back up. It could be frost, it could be pests, it could be both. But just because a garden is supposed to give veggies or trees are supposed to bear fruit doesn't mean they always do. Good day to you, Simplify listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry and you're listening to The Figless Fig Tree on Simplify. When we open the pages of Luke 13, we find a guy who kept a vineyard, spying out the perfect place to plant a fig tree. Fig trees aren't exactly for curb appeal. No realtor tells a seller in a selling slump, hey, got a great idea for you, plant a fig tree and we'll close by Tuesday. The only reason for a fig tree is figs. After the caretaker planted the fig tree, the owner came to him a few years later and said, hey, caretaker Carl, you're the one who planted that fig tree a few years ago, right? Right you are, boss man Bruce. Well, I've been coming back to this little fig tree for years, and I haven't found one single solitary lonely little fig. You better cut this tree down. But, sir, I planted this tree in prime property, rich soil. I made sure this tree had the best angle for the rising sun in the morning, the setting sun at night, and I made sure nothing grew above it to catch the rainwater it needs to grow. I I put a lot into this tree. I know it doesn't look pretty, but you got to admit, it is here. But the owner of the vineyard wasn't impressed. He ordered the tree for one reason. Figs. I don't think figs taste that great. They must have been better in the first century than the 21st century. But the owner came the first year. No figs. Eh, maybe it's a little too early. He came back the second year. Still no figs. And he thought... Hmm, I'm no fig aficionado, but surely something should be growing by now. Let's try again next year. He came back the third year. Surely there would be figs. Still, no figs, no fruit. And he knew, everybody knew, even caretaker Carl knew. This tree is not doing what it was planted to do. 
The caretaker invested so much into the tree, but the tree didn't return anything for his investment. And that caused the owner of the vineyard to tell the caretaker of the vineyard to cut it down. Don't let it rob the resources from other trees if it's not going to bear any fruit. That was Jesus' parable of the figless fig tree in Luke 13. The landowner gives a very key principle in this parable. A figless fig tree does more harm than good when it does no good. The figless fig tree robs resources from the vines in the vineyard and yields nothing in return. It doesn't bear fruit and even keeps other trees and vines from bearing fruit because it robs them of their resources. The best way I can relate this first century frustration is through my 21st century frustration. My phone usually needs to be charged at least once through the day. I don't know if I keep too many apps open or if I just need to stay off the phone. (laughs) Probably a little bit of both. But around noon, my phone politely tells me the battery is around 50%. If I don't charge it, the battery falls closer to 30%. If I still haven't done anything about it, the battery hits 15% and my screen goes Batman dark gray dark. Then the phone scolds me, pouts, and goes into power saving mode. Then if I still haven't charged it, It gets really mad and warns me about low battery at 5%, 4%, 3%, 2%, 1%. And then we have nothing to say to each other until I apologize and plug it in. A few days ago, I had one of those days when the phone was pouting and just about to lay down in the middle of the store to throw its low battery tantrum. So I I ran to the charger, laid it on the wireless charger, breathed a sigh of relief, I needed my phone for a meeting the next day. My notes were on the phone. And I figured eight hours of charge for the phone and for me, that'd give both of us what we needed for another day's worth of work. So when I woke up, I reached for the phone, but the screen was still dark. This time it was even darker than Batman Dark Gray Dark. It was totally dark. It wasn't coming on. I held the power button, still didn't come on. I placed the phone back on the charger and still no charge. So I found the cord that charges it, and I plugged the phone into the cord, and my stomach fell onto my feet when I saw the battery bar climb all the way up to 1%. All night long, the charger never charged. My phone was no better the next day than it was the night before, after eight hours of charging. So what do you do with a charger that won't charge a phone? That's right, you throw it away. I know it looks cool because it's a wireless charger, but if it doesn't charge the phone, it's really just a cup holder you plug in. My charger didn't set my phone on fire. It didn't even crack the screen. My charger didn't hurt the phone. It just didn't help the phone. And because of that, I can't use it. Jesus told this Luke 13 story for a reason. He wasn't as concerned to know all the bad we've never done. He did want to see the good we have done. Since I received the Holy Ghost at 12 years old, I've never robbed a bank. Come to think of it, I've never, ever robbed a bank even before I received the Holy Ghost. I'm working on that unbroken streak now for 43 years. I've never stolen a car. I've never been unfaithful to Andrea. I've never killed anyone. And now that was important. By the grace of God, I've never drunk or smoked or tried any drug stronger than Percocet when my teeth turned against me. When I think of it, I could pat myself on the back for all the bad I've never done. But Jesus is not even a little impressed. He did not save me. He did not plant me in his vineyard just so I wouldn't burn the vineyard down. He saved me so I could bear fruit. 
I hope you have the same testimony as me. I, I hope your testimony is God has kept you from scars he doesn't have to heal you from. And if so, you are abundantly blessed. But if you have a whole pile of regrets in your life, I've got good news. When you repent and are baptized in the name of Jesus, Jesus forgives, and he will not bring that up against you anymore, not even on Judgment Day. And you can start brand new on this brand new day. But whether you are a brand new disciple of Jesus or you've been following him for 82 years, Jesus is not impressed with all the bad we've never done. He wants to know if we're bearing fruit. Are we living in a way that our lives can feed others who are hungry to know the same Jesus we are blessed to know? We don't do good so Jesus will save us. His grace saves us through faith. But we do good. We bear fruit because he has saved us. When the owner came back after three years of looking for fruit on the tree, it also tells me that sometimes discipleship takes a while. Discipleship is a process. If you are a brand new follower of Jesus, you're a brand new disciple, you may not be bearing fruit right away. After three days after receiving the Holy Spirit, you may not be bearing a lot of fruit, but after three years, you should be. If you're walking with Jesus planted in the vineyard, if you're soaking up the sun, if you're planted in rich soil, you should be bearing fruit after three years. There's a great story about a guy named Rigby. He was a businessman. He used to travel over to Edinburgh, Scotland. And when he was there, he loved to attend the St. George's Church. Alexander White pastored that church. And Rigby was a businessman. He was not a preacher, but he did love God. And every Sunday he was in town, he would slip into St. George's, and he invited the hotel staff and the hotel guests to come with him. And one Sunday morning, he invited one of the staffers, and the staffer turned his invitation down flat. No thanks, not, not into church. But that morning, Rigby didn't give up. He kept asking and asking and asking and asking. Finally, the staffer relented and just went with him to church to get him off my back. But he loved it. He loved the service that Sunday morning so much and the preaching so much, he went back that Sunday night. And while he was there, he surrendered his life to God. That next morning, Rigby was up and at him going into town on business, but he passed by Pastor White's house. He had never met him, but he heard he lived there, and he knocked on the door and told the pastor what God had done for the hotel staffer who came that Sunday so he could rejoice with that staffer. And Pastor White said, oh, well, God bless you for telling me that. I, I thought Sunday night sermon fell pretty flat. I was pretty depressed about it, but thank you. That read encourages me. Hey, I didn't catch your name. What, what's your name? And Rigby replied, Rigby. And Pastor White beamed. He said, Rigby. I've been looking for you for years. The pastor went into a study and he returned with an armload of letters. He read one of them and it began, I was spending a week on business in Edinburgh and a fellow businessman named Rigby invited me to come with him to St. George's. That service that day changed my life. Whole armload of letters. Every letter in the armload was the same. Different name, different address, but same testimony. Rigby invited me to come to St. George's. I came to St. George's, and Jesus changed my life. Pastor White told him, out of that bundle, 12 came from young men, and of those 12, four have already entered the ministry. Rigby didn't think he was doing a lot. He was just sharing with others this wonderful opportunity to go feed their soul on the Word of God. Rigby was bearing fruit in a vineyard where God planted him, and God was giving his efforts all the increase. All of us can do what Rigby did. All of us can bear fruit.
In fact, if we're going to be a follower of Jesus, all of us need to bear fruit. So let's take a good long look at the limbs on our life. Is there fruit? Are we sharing our story with others who need to hear it? Are we inviting them to come with us to worship God and feast their soul on the Word of God and in the presence of God? Are we, are we praying with people who tell us what they're going through? If you just listen sometime this week, I can guarantee somebody is going to say something that you're going to be able to pray about and pray for right there. Are we opening up the Word of God with people who are hungry to know the Word of God like we are so blessed to know the Word of God? Are we sharing Simplify with others? Hey, whoa, where'd that one come from? That was shameless. Are we visiting the sick and the shut-in and the imprisoned? Do we give our water to the thirsty or bread to the hungry or clothes to the unclothed? Are we praying with people who come to the altar on Sundays? Are we praying that people would come to the altar on Sundays? Are we inviting them to live life with us, to go to lunch with us, to get to know them, to get to know us? Are we serving our church family and our community? Are we returning our tithe and giving our offering to invest in the only kingdom that will ever last throughout all eternity? Are we walking with Jesus and letting him lead us wherever he needs us? Are we bearing fruit? I sure hope so. I sure pray so. If not, Jesus made it very clear in this Luke 13 story that we do more harm than good when we who have been richly blessed to be planted in such rich soil and soak up so much sun, do no good for his vineyard. Today and every day, let's live our lives to bear fruit, to feed those around us, and glorify the God within us. Would you join me in praying right now? I want to pray that God would help every one of us to bear fruit. Not only God help me not to do the bad, but God, by your grace, with your help, through your Spirit, Help me to do the good for the sake of those around us and the glory of the God within us. Jesus, thank you so much. You have abundantly blessed us more, far more above whatever, what we deserve. I call on you today, Lord, and I ask you to help every one of us who are listening to bear fruit. Help every one of us, Jesus, to live a life that bears fruit to others, to help feed their souls as we have been fed, to minister to them, to bless them to glorify you. Help us, Jesus, to make disciples and glorify you in everything we do. I pray for your touch today for all of us. Thank you for those brand new disciples, brand new followers who are following after you, living their lives for you. Help them, God, I pray, to bear fruit. Help all of us who have been living for you for a long time, God, to love every day living for you and to bear fruit for the glory of God and this holy cause of discipleship. I pray this, I give you thanks for it and ask you for your grace and your strength and your presence. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks so much, Simplify listeners. Be sure to click subscribe. Be sure to click share. That way you can, you'll never have to miss an episode and none of your friends ever have to miss an episode either. I want to celebrate. We are so close right now. We're at 99,400 downloads. We are only 600 very short downloads away from cresting 100,000. And that is such a great monumental milestone for all of us who are growing in our relationship with God and devotion through 
Simplify, which of course is only a small segment of our devotion. So thank you for allowing this to be one more opportunity for you to grow closer to Jesus and help others grow closer to him. Thank you so much. Next week, if the Lord tarries and we hit our 100,000, we'll celebrate together and give thanks to God for his goodness and how he has helped this podcast to bear fruit. Got some great resources for you. Head over to PentecostalPublishing.com if you're looking for some Father's Day gifts for that father or pa or grandpa or pappy or pawpaw or papaw in your life. Head over to PentecostalPublishing.com. There are some wonderful Father's Day resources there. I've got a couple books on there, in fact, Simplify the Devotional and 10 Words, a practical look at the Ten Commandments that you can get either one of those or both for your dad or the father figure in your life. And speaking of Father's Day, next week I want to share with you a devotion called Perfect Pitch. It's all about our parents, namely our dads, and I'm really looking forward to sharing that with you next week. And always look forward to walking closer with Jesus as we walk through Simplify.